Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience podcast with Jeanette Lissette. Thought leaders explore the mindset, wellness, and wealth needed to realize next level transformation. Let's get started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette. And today's guest is Dr. Sheila Carroll. Dr. Carroll is a board-certified pediatrician and obesity medicine physician. She is dedicated to helping children achieve their best health, and she does this by working with parents who are willing to focus on modifying their own behaviors to ultimately improve their child's health. Dr. Carroll, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I, I, I just finished earlier with a guest, and we talked about food in particular. I talked about how I try not to be the food police when I'm in supermarkets looking in everyone else's shopping cart, but I can't help it. I actually cannot help it. I am sometimes appalled at the food that parents are buying for their children. I wanted to talk about some things that are appropriate for folks to think about as it relates to changing behavior. What do you think is the hardest thing for parents to change as it relates to their own behavior and how it influences their child's health. I think what's hard is, first of all, knowing what to do because there's so much information out there and it can be very confusing. So knowing what to do, even the medical profession, all of us doctors were saying different things. So I feel very empathetic and compassionate towards parents because what are they supposed to do and who are they supposed to believe? What I think is hard for parents is that we haven't been taught as parents or as a society, when you're looking in everyone's cart in the grocery store, I, I, I honestly do the same thing. Or sometimes when I'm watching families out, I think most people just don't know. They don't know that the foods that they're choosing to buy and serve are as harmful as they are. There's the belief like, oh, they're selling it. So it must be safe for us. And I think that's just been so harmful for all of us. But I have a 12-year-old son. I know what all the kids eat. I know what he likes to eat. But about five years ago, I started to become really highly aware these foods are actually harmful for our kids at the cellular level. This is something most parents don't have time or interest or the medical knowledge to really go down that far deep into the science of it. But when you do, you realize these foods aren't just these highly processed foods or the foods with a lot of added sugars. They're not neutral. They're not like, oh, I know it, we could be eating better, but this is fine. It's actually harming us at the cellular level. And we're seeing this as disease processes and problems cropping up in younger kids than we've ever seen before, but certainly in adults. But Ultra processed foods are connected to overweight, for sure, overweight or obesity, carrying extra weight, but also anxiety, depression, problems with attention in school, learning. So I just think most parents don't know how harmful these foods actually are. Let me pause for a second here, because I was just thinking, as I observe people and, and parents with children who are real chubby. I just wonder, to your point, where the gap is in terms of information and knowledge and how much we are relying on what we intuitively think we know about how to feed our children. And I wonder if that's part of the issue. Uh, we are trusting that doctors, people in the medical profession, the government with the food pyramid, 
mm-hmm. trusting that information is good information. I just wonder from a nutrition standpoint, how much time and attention is paid to the development of doctors in that space, because many doctors don't seem to know anything about nutrition. In your education, were you exposed to what you needed to know? No, for sure not. We don't talk about food as medicine or food as uh, a way to even stay healthy. I went to medical school. I've been in practice for 23 years at this point. So I went to medical school a while ago. My dad is also a doctor. He's 91 now. And when he went to medical school, they certainly weren't talking about it. To tell you the truth, he's not even a believer like I am. He just thinks food is just food. So there's this whole spectrum of doctors out there who have different beliefs and we've had different experiences. But to answer your question, no, in medical school, the medical school that I went to, University of Vermont, had zero nutrition courses or we don't talk about how different foods affect the body at the cellular level. I think part of not talking about is we don't even know. Some of the chemicals that are used in today's highly processed food, emulsifiers, dyes, artificial flavorings, all the artificial sugars. It's a challenge for scientists to figure out how these man-made chemicals are actually affecting our body. Now that we've had this experiment with ultra-processed food for the past 50, 60, 70 years, we're seeing this isn't going well for human bodies. When you really take a big picture look at it, and I think this is easy for parents to do, to really look at, okay, we are a species that have evolved very slowly over time. A couple of things are happening in the past 50, 60 years. The highly processed foods and the modern food system is one of those things that our body has not evolved to handle. For example, if you have a Coca-Cola or name any drink, Gatorade, a Starbucks coffee with all the sugar and stuff in it, there is nothing in nature that has that load of sugar coming into your body all at once. In nature, there's fruit, but fruit, whole fruit is packaged with fiber, micronutrients, and other things that actually slow down the absorption of that glucose and fructose into your system. For parents, if you can think, okay, I'm buying this food or drink, this packaged food, and you look at the back and you see all the things that make it up. If you could just think or you could just question, how is my ancient human body or my child's ancient human body going to handle all of these things that are being offered through this food? When you can start asking those kind of questions, you can look at food in a different way. I think parents are so busy, so overwhelmed, sometimes stressed. They're so busy, their kids are busy. And what we really are looking at is, I want my child to eat. I want them to eat something. I think the thought is, how bad can this be? How bad can this food be? The truth is, it's pretty bad. It's really bad for us. I think 20 years from now, more and more doctors are going to know this and more science. We're already starting to have the data. The problem is, what about our kids from now until 20 years from now? What about somebody who's being born today? What about my son who's 12, who's going to be 32? I don't want him for the next 20 years until all doctors are like, oh, we can't eat this. Or the government stands up and does the right thing and says, we shouldn't sell this to people anymore. Mm -hmm. So what can the average person like 
you and I, what can we do while we're waiting <laughs> for well, I, the system? I think that's something that you mentioned uh, in, in another podcast, which was basically walking the walk beats talking the talk. 100%. Yeah, I think that lends itself to us not waiting. I think that we already have information that we can use to become better stewards of our own health rather than yeah. transferring yeah. that risk onto another entity like insurance. You can buy an insurance policy and transfer the risk for them to pay it, but the risk is with ourselves. So we've got to actually self-insure by being proactive and walking the walk versus just talking about it. So here's the question that I had. The whole time you've been talking, I've been thinking, wait a minute. So if these parents have children who are having some issues with their health and maybe obesity, I wonder what these parents look like. I wonder what their own health is in terms of are they basically overweight or obese or do they also have health problems because in my mind I'm thinking wait a minute so you can't I guess you could but you can't shop the perimeter for yourself and then shop in the aisle for your children because that does not even make common sense even though common sense is not common practice but anywho I think honestly some families do that and I see that more in families that do not have a, a weight problem or they don't perceive that their child has a weight problem the parents realize oh I need to eat a certain way when they shop the perimeter, but then for their kids, if their kid doesn't have a weight problem, they shop in the middle with all the processed foods. So I think that is a reality for people. The truth is the way an individual body processes food is very different. So you could have two children in the same family eating the same things, and one could be storing weight, and one could be not storing weight and considered normal weight. And the same thing for parents. What do you think the correlation is with being overweight and being healthy as a child? Is there a correlation? Having your body carry more weight than it needs, then what we're talking about here is a diagnosis of overweight or a diagnosis of obesity. That's based on BMI, which is based on your height and your actual weight. And we know that there's problems with the BMI. We also know that sometimes people would be considered obese and be metabolically healthy. They could technically plot out into the category of obesity, but when you check their labs or check their measurement, they might be healthy. That's the good news. So weight in kids or weight in any of us, it's more of a symptom of what is going on um, with your body and why are you storing extra right. weight? Using that analogy with a family that has two children, one seemingly is of normal weight. One is storing fat, if you will. Yeah. Let's just say they're eating the same foods. Okay? Yeah. Maybe they're twins. Okay. <laughs> Biologically, there may be an issue with how one child is processing that food or converting it to energy. Mm -hmm. And some children may be storing the energy as fat. Yeah. So some people do store fat a lot more easily than other people. That's not to just say, oh, okay, so now there's nothing we can do. We're just doomed to be this way the rest of our life. I guess if you think that you have a child who's storing weight more easily, the next question to ask yourself is, okay, so we need to figure out a way for my child to eat that's going to work very well with 
his or her physiology. That's going to keep them happy, keep them with a lot of energy and having their body kind of use the energy that's coming in and not storing it so easily. Parents need to understand that each child is an individual. In medicine and in science, we use an N of one. You are one person, one individual, and then have to tweak things for each individual Mm -hmm. person in your family. That would take a lot of effort because I noticed that in modifying your behavior, you have to make some decisions and you have to be willing to make those decisions. What kind of clients are you working with mostly in your practice now as a coach for parents? Yeah, you said the exact thing. You could either look at it as so much work, (laughs) it's going to be really hard. Or you could look at it, okay, this is my opportunity. This is what I can control as a parent. What I know, how I understand what's going on with my child. And then you can also control what you buy, what you serve, your lifestyle at home, including sleep and screen usage and stress management, and movement, exercise. What you said was, it takes a lot of making decisions. That is so spot on and so great that you said that, because when you learn how to make a decision, and then follow through on your decision that you already made for yourself, that's the secret to achieving your goals. We don't really teach people this explicitly. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to go for a walk, or tomorrow, I'm going to eat a salad for lunch. When you learn the skill of following through on your decision, having your own back, doing what you said you were going to do, and we can do that by harnessing the power of our thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex. It's not as hard as it seems, and it's not painful, and it's not horrible. But when you realize, oh, I'm choosing to eat this salad because I want the results that eating the salad is going to give me, then you are so empowered to do what you want to do for your long-term goal. What comes to mind is the whole time that you were saying this, because this is like a a daily battle, but one of the things that I have uh, experienced through coaching and through mindset is visualization or having a vision of what the outcome of making that choice will be, especially if there's a cumulative factor involved, because one day of a salad is not going to do it, okay? You got to have more days of salads. But but not only that, just just eating food that serves you well. That's the bottom line. But here's the thing, because I've been guilty of this myself. I say to myself, okay, this is a great choice. And I know this is going to benefit me, but I really want that other thing. Okay. Yes. Everybody, all of us. This is what was so critical and game-changing for me was understanding why I want that other thing. Now I know, oh, I want that other thing because my ancient human brain, the way we evolved was to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and stay as safe as possible. So of course you want the pizza because it's going to give you the taste you're looking for. It's easy. And you're going to feel better, frankly, probably in in the moment. Sometimes people think there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. I just can't seem to do what I say I'm going to do. The only thing that's wrong is no one's told you or no one's taught you that there's a distinction between kind of your lower brain, your primitive brain, your childlike brain that's just telling you, do what feels good in the moment, 
And that is what has kept humans alive, honestly, for a long time, versus using your prefrontal cortex to override that primitive brain. What I say to myself is, oh, I hear you. I hear you, primitive brain. You want me to eat that pizza or you want me to eat that cookie because you want the sugar, you want the dopamine. I hear you, but I'm not going to listen to you because I'm thinking on purpose and I'm using my executive functioning. I'm using my prefrontal cortex. So here's the thing. Our kids can't do that for themselves very well. Maybe once in a while, here and there. Even teenagers, our prefrontal cortex, this thinking brain, that doesn't develop fully until you're 25. I recently came across that information. I said, oh, so that explains it. It explains so much, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we're not trained to use this part of our brain very well. We're not trained in a way to recognize that there's a pleasure-seeking part of our brain and there's a more in-control kind of CEO of your brain, so to speak. And for adults, what that is, is just balancing the two and figuring out, is it wrong to change your mind and eat the pizza that day? No, not wrong. It's fine. You're a grown-up. You can do whatever you want. But if you do have goals, health goals or whatever goals, You just have to understand that by not following through on your plan or not following through on your best interests, it's just going to either take longer to reach your goals or you won't reach your goals. So when I learned all of this, I found it so empowering and so freeing. And it was really like, oh, my weight and my health is really dependent on how good I am at making decisions for myself in advance and following through on those decisions. It's so empowering. And like I said, kids can't do this. So this is the typical medical model of a a child who's struggling with weight. Their parents bring them to the doctor, maybe for that, or maybe just a regular checkup. And we've noticed that your child is carrying this extra weight. And so the recommendation, come back in whatever, three months, six months, Mm -hmm. and I'll talk to your child about this. So me talking to a six-year-old, seven-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old about their weight, first of all, my experience of that has been damaging to kids. I was an overweight kid. And when my doctor talked to me about it, I still remember the exact words he said. It was so horrifying and humiliating. I just wanted to crumple in on myself, to tell you the truth. My approach is we can leave the kids out of this. Us parents, we just need to figure out what we can do to help our kids. And then we need to do that. It's so empowering and freeing for parents. Interesting. The question that I've had most recently is, and this is just your perspective as a medical practitioner, if you will. Do you think there's a connection between autism and nutrition? I do. Yeah, I think there must be. I think there must be. I think there's a connection between all mental health and mental thinking processes and anxiety, depression, I think there's a correlation between the violence that we're seeing in our society and school shootings. I think all of that is in part our lack of really good healthy nutrition. I think that's creating brain inflammation and irritation and contributing to all of those things. So Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. I do. There's a really great book called, it's called Brain Health the Harvard trained psychiatrist who wrote this, his name is Chris Palmer. And he's talking about 
mental health as metabolic health. Because when you think about it, our brain cells are just cells like like your liver cell, like your muscle cell. They need energy to function. And when we're choosing foods that don't supply the proper energy source to our cells, they're not functioning well. Our cells aren't going to function well. The scientists are tying nutrition and diet to early onset dementia. or It has to be all tied together. What's happened in the past 50 years that's causing increasing rates of anxiety in our kids, of depression in our kids, of obesity in our kids, all sorts of metabolic problems. The main thing is the food that we're eating and the changes that have happened to our food supply in the past 50 to 70 years. That's the other reality, uh, which we have to pay attention to and be willing to put some effort behind our choices, where we buy our food. Yeah, yes. The quality yeah. of the food that the we're quality, buying. It's the quality of the food, yes. My son's 12. He has a lot of friends, a lot of parents. Asks me, oh, my child has attention problems or ADHD, or my child is suffering from anxiety, depression. Yes, go to your doctor. Yes, get help from someone you trust. But the advice that I give them and what I would say to any parent is, Change the way you're eating at home and see if that doesn't reset body and the hormones and improve things just from a baseline. Because I can't tell you how many kids and teenagers I tried to treat in my old medical practice for anxiety or depression or ADHD, but they were just eating processed food all day long, every, every single day. I think the average American kid's diet is made up of 60 or 70 percent highly processed food well, i believe it again not yeah. trying to be the food police but i i watch people at the checkout me. yeah i think that is a lack of knowledge that is not parents on purpose clearly parents love their kids every single parent i've ever met just loves their child and wants the best for them we all want our kids to be healthy Unfortunately, we parents have been getting so many mixed messages of how to keep our kids healthy. Parents want to make their kids happy. They want to make it easy. They don't want to fight about food. Some parents just don't want to cook. Yeah, a lot of parents don't have time. And a lot of people don't know how to cook. I wonder from infancy to toddler and to all the different stages, the importance of brain health and how nutrition actually is integrated into that development of the brain. What are your thoughts around that? Nutrition is crucial for a healthy brain to develop. Nutrition is crucial and sleep is crucial and movement or moving your body exercise is crucial too. All of those things. But for sure, if you think about it, every single cell, every hormone in our body, it's made from the foods that we eat. The foods that are coming in need to be able to be used by your body to make what your body needs to function the way it was designed to function. And so it's crucial. It sounds so crazy when you say it. Oh, what you eat matters to how your body builds its cells, builds muscle, builds brain cells. But we don't talk about it like that to parents. And we don't say it as explicitly. What we also don't say is how harmful these other foods are for us. So I think as parents, we just need to realize these foods are not made for our health. And 
I think if parents started looking at the food that we are choosing to buy and serve our kids as a safety issue, we are very concerned about our kids' safety. We have them buckled up in their car seats. We have them seatbelt. We have them wearing bike helmets, hopefully. We have all these things to keep them safe. Unfortunately, in today's modern world, we need to add the food supply as something that we need to keep our kids safe from. Safe and physically safe. You know what, Dr. Carol, I'd love to have you back as a guest because there are so many other topics. I'd love to open up. Thank you. I know it is such a huge topic. It's such a huge topic. And the more we can offer parents hope and and empowerment, you can help your child and you can help yourself and change your own health. We just need to own our own health for sure. Absolutely. I have certainly been enlightened by this conversation. Thank you. I think there's a vast audience of people who probably are struggling in this area, maybe even as grandparents and who would like to support their grandchildren. So I'd like to expand this conversation if you're open. Anytime. Happy to. Thank you so much for giving your time to the Next Chapter Experience and exposing us to some information that we all need to know and embrace and, and put into practice. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.